0: Today, we are continuing our series in our Read Your Bible Mark. Um, now, before I get started, there on your seats, you'll see a little baggie, all right? Um, just take one in your hand, all right? Just kind of put it to the side, and everybody, everyone should have one, all right? It's not just a, it's not an empty bag. All right? There's something in there. All right? it's, a, it's not an empty bag. There's something in there. So we're going to go over what that is later uh, in our application part. Our goal is for you to... Read your Bible. Great, awesome. Who's read their Bible this week? Okay, all right. Thank you for being honest. And for those who didn't raise your hand, it's okay, all right? You can do it this week, all right? Um, now, we could tell you to read your Bible, but if we don't tell you the why behind reading the Bible, then we would just be telling you empty words. We would just be like, you know, your parents would be like, read your book. Why? You know? So, let me tell you why we read our Bibles. We read our Bibles because this right here is the food to our souls. Okay, this right here is the food to our souls. So how do we measure what our souls need? Have you, um, ever, have you ever had a moment where um, you were so hungry that like you feel your stomach touching the back of like, your back and like, your stomach started hurting? Like Anybody like, had, have, have ever felt a hunger? Yeah, yeah, we, I think we all have at some point in our lives, maybe when you're younger, maybe when you're older, you know, whatever it is that, that, that you've experienced that. See, our bodies need food to produce energy, right? Basic science class, right? Our bodies need food to produce energy. We need energy for us to keep going. And we need our bodies, if our bodies don't receive the correct nutrients, then guess what? It, it doesn't function well, Right? I mean we're talk, talking basic science here meaning no food is no energy equals no energy means no motivation no motivation means no will we become crippled basic science and this is the same thing for our souls right vv the, the, the physical needs actually mirrors our spiritual reality it, it really does just like our physical food, you know, physical bodies need the food that we eat every day. Our souls need to eat this word every single day. If we don't eat this word daily, our souls don't have energy. Our energy, no energy means no motivation. No motivation means no will, and we become crippled. And you know who loves loves us being crippled? The enemy loves us being crippled. He really does. Matter of fact, the lies of the enemy actually become louder in our lives when we are crippled because we have no defense that we can guard against and no offense that we can fight against. We can't fight that lies of the enemies. You know, even Jesus, the King of kings, the creator of all things, the Lord of lords, When he was tempted and when the lies of the enemy seeped into his life, guess what he did? He fought with the word of God. Our Savior fought with the word of God, the word of his Father. In times of hopelessness, this word gives us hope. In times of joy, it actually rejoices with us. In times of grief, it comforts us. This is why we read our Bibles. Not because we're telling you to do so, for you to have a defense as well as an offense when the lies of the enemy comes and does something that can rejoice with us. Now, when it comes to reading your Bible, there are many, many different methods. Right, there are so many methods out there, but when we do our series here at Journey Church, we love using the SOAP method. All right, everybody read it with me. S is for scripture, O is for A is for, and P is for perfect. We all, you guys are awesome. This is great. Last week, Pastor Matt mentioned that we have a soap journal available for you to guide you in your reading your Bible. Well, you guys really took that literally, and it was gone like this. <laughs> so uh, we have more available in, in our uh, New Journey area in the info bar. So on your way out, please grab one. If you grabbed one last week, don't grab one, all right, because <laughs> we want everybody to have one in their hand in their household to have this, you know, you know to use this for as a guide to reading your Bible, so, what are we talking about today? We're talking about parables, because we're talking about the parables of the Mark, right? Of, of the Gospel of Mark. Now, we all know that parables equal stories. Parable is just a fancier word for stories. And we all love stories, don't we? We love hearing stories. And stories can be good or bad, depending on the person who's telling it. Am I correct? <laughs> right? I had a friend in college who... Uh, did not really know how to tell stories. Like, it would take way too long to get to the like, punchline, right? And I'll be like, bro, read the room. <laughs> like, nobody's listening to you anymore. Like, let's stop, you know? So, like, it really depends on the person who is, you know, telling the story. Jesus told numerous and just numerous stories and parables in the Bible. And people were captivated by it. Why? Was he just a good storyteller? Maybe. I mean, he is the best storyteller that the world has ever seen. Whether it was for the common people or for the religious leaders. The reason why Jesus' stories or his parables were so captivating was because it contained both truth and mystery. Contained both truth and mystery. It contained truth about truth about the kingdom of heaven. It also contained the mystery about the kingdom of heaven. And the reason, again, another reason why it's so captivating was because it was an earthly story that we all can relate to, yet it contained the mystery and the truth about the kingdom of heaven. That's why people are captivated by it. You see, these parables, you know, for those who, who genuinely desire to know Jesus were an eye-opening experience when they've heard the story. An unforgettable encounter with Jesus, but those with an uninterest, uninterested heart was just another story, another just good story, and we're left to wonder what it meant. Think about the verse John three sixteen. We all kind of know it, right? But think about that moment when that verse like came alive to you. It was like a light bulb moment. You go, aha! I get it. Like that moment of, wait, there is a God who loves me so much that he would send his son to die for me? What? And that if I believe in him, that I would have eternal life? Like for a person whose eyes are open to that, that, that verse, it's a life-giving verse, isn't it? It really is. But person who's uninterested is just another quote on instagram it's that moment when the mystery and the truth of kingdom of god is being revealed to you you see this bible this this thing right here that we all hold on to every word every page is an unforgettable encounter with our lord jesus christ when we hunger for him but if we're not hungry for it we're not hungry for that truth if we're not thirsty for that mystery then it would just remain in the dark and it just becomes another book just another book that sits on our shelves so today as we look into our passage my prayer for all of us here is that we would grow that hunger for jesus that we would we would thirst for his word that there will be, be a, a quench, a fire that starts in our bones and in our souls that's like, if I don't have this, I'm literally going to die. That's my prayer for all of us here today. So let's open up to Mark 4, verses 30 through 32. Let me read this for us. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest seed of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Somewhere or somehow, you've heard that story. You've heard about this mustard seed, right? Whether it was on a billboard or maybe on a a Sunday school that you grew up at a church with, Maybe on the radio, right, 106.9, the light, right? <laughs> or, or <laughs> yeah, for those of you who listen to radio, you get it, All right? Maybe, maybe on an inspirational quote on Instagram or Facebook that your friend posted, you've heard about this mustard seed. But when you look at today's passage, it's kind of different, isn't it? You're like, wait, that's not what I remember about mustard seed was about. What the parable of the mustard seed Maybe you remember as this one, Matthew seventeen twenty. You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could stay to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Yeah? See, I see some of you nodding in your head like, I remember this one. I know this one. But you're like, wait, I don't know the other one. Today's passage about the mustard seed, today's story, a parable about the mustard seed, it's completely different than Matthew 17, 20. So let's dive in, because I'm really excited to share like what, what God has been just kind of giving me to share with you all here. So we have first have to look at the context of Mark chapter 4, all right? And for those of you taking notes, this is the O part, the observation part, okay? So you when know, we read the scriptures, so then we're going go to go through the O part. So let's read Mark 4, verses 1 through 2. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat into a boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. A large crowd gathered. And here in this story would have been your common folk, just like all of us here today. right? The working class, the retirees, the newlyweds. The single, ready to mingle people, right, and uh, the youth here, and 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 couples who just became parents and are deprived of sleep. All right, so so all those people will be included in this large gathering, right? Not only that, we're kind of by the lakeshore, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I'm just Pastor Matt. I'm just waiting for the day that you get into a boat and we're by the lakeshore and listening to you on there. All right, so one day it'll happen. <laughs> now, Jesus starts. By telling them this story, the parable of the sower, and I think we all know it. I don't think we need to go over it, but let me. We need to read the whole story, but I'm just, let me just uh, just give you a little bit snippet of what the parable of the sower is. Farmer goes out to plant some seeds, and he, as he scatters it, some seeds fall on hard ground, some seeds fall on shallow ground, some seeds fall on outside like Dr. Seuss, all right, all right, <laughs> all right Some seeds fall on among weeds and thorns, and some seeds fall on really good soil and the seed that fell on the hard ground gets eaten up by the birds right and the seed that fell on the shallow ground dies quickly because it has no roots and the seed that fell among the weeds and thorns grows but the weeds and thorns choke them out so it dies and produces no uh, no crop and the seed that fell in good soil produces crop 30 60 100 now as we all know this this, this parable is actually describing the condition of the human heart this parable, even Jesus says, like, this is your heart. Like, you have hard, shallow, weedy, or good soil heart. Like, those are it. Here's what Jesus is saying. When the farmer scatters it, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached no matter what. It will be preached no matter what. Throughout history, we see the evidence of his gospel being preached All throughout history, there's the evidence of that. It's not going to stop anytime soon, everyone, right? I mean, no politics, no disease, no natural disaster, no war, no division in humanity is going to stop the preaching of the gospel. It won't stop because it's his kingdom. But here's the crucial part, though. But it's only for those who has ears to hear. It's only for those who have ears to hear. It's only for those who desire to seek truth. And the reason why Jesus telling this, this, uh, starts by telling this parable is because in the, in the rest of Mark chapter 4, he's about to give the secrets to the kingdom of God. He's about to give the secrets to the kingdom, the secret to the kingdom of God through the parables. He's saying, listen, some of you will get it and understand it. You'll get it and understand it. That the kingdom of God, because, because you, your hearts are receptive and it's ready to hear. But guess what? Some of you, you won't. You won't get it just yet. You won't get it just yet. You know, I, as I was preparing this, I had to stop here because I, I, I had to ask myself this question. Like, am I ready to receive his word? Is my heart a good soil or is it a shallow, shallow soil? I couldn't stop wondering what the condition of my heart was. It, 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 like, am I ready to receive this word? Am I hungry for Jesus? Am I desperate for him? You know, there's a song that I used to sing in, in my time of personal devotions when I was uh, in college and whatnot. Um, and in and, and high school and in junior high. Um, some of you will know this song. It's called Breathe by Michael W. Smith. Anybody else? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah, pretty familiar with that song? Let me, tell you, let me just read the lyrics for you real quick, okay? It says this. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my... This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me, and I'm desperate for you, and I'm lost without you. That, that's the whole song. It's a song of yearning. It's a song of desperation to know Jesus and Jesus only. So, again, the question goes out to all of us here today Are you hungry for Jesus? Are you desperate for Him? What is the current condition of your heart? Because guess what? Jesus is ready to give you the secret to the kingdom of God. He's ready. But if we're not ready we're gonna miss it so let's take a look at these next two parables and how it relates to the kingdom of god jesus tells the parable of the seed in verses 26 through 29 it says jesus also said the kingdom of god is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake the seed sprouts and grows but he does not understand how it happens The earth produces a crop on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then head of the wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. And then it goes on to the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story story should I illustrate it? We read this already, but we're going to read it again. It is like the mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds. But it becomes the largest of all garden plants, it grows long branches, and the birds can make nest in its shade. See, these two parables have the direct correlation to the parable of the sower. Remember what I said earlier that the reason why Jesus told told you know, this, these parables, by the you know, starting with the parable of the sword, is because, he was about to give the secrets to the kingdom of God. And this is it right here, these two parables, this is it. This is the secret to the kingdom of God. There are actually two Kingdom perspectives in these two Parables. There's my kingdom perspective, and there's God's Kingdom perspective. There's my Kingdom perspective, and there's God's Kingdom perspective. And here is what my Kingdom perspective says about these two parables. In the parable of the Seed, we are represented as a farmer, we're the farmers. We're the ones doing the work of God, scattering the seed everywhere and saying, Look at us, tirelessly working and doing the work of God, putting in sweat and tears. And through our work, we grow the kingdom of God, we make it flourish, and we make sure the harvest is plentiful. That's, what says, that's the my kingdom perspective. In the parable of the mustard seed, the small mustard seed that represents us. Even though we're small, we're going to grow into something big that provides shade and provides provision and impact the kingdom of God. You see on paper, doesn't that sound amazing? I mean, it sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, it's such an encouraging parable. It really is. Like, we we could say amen and go on our way. We could. That we're going to impact and we're going to grow the kingdom of God. Man, what a powerful message that is. But we would totally be missing the mark with these two parables if we left today with those messages. Yes, the truth is that God does use us. God does use us. And He will use us for His kingdom. Let me rephrase that. He chooses to use us for His kingdom. He chooses to use us for His kingdom. I think we have to understand that if God is willing to use a talking donkey, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need us to move his kingdom. I mean, think about it, y'all. I think we have to get through in, in, our, in our hard hearts and in our thick skulls of humanity that God does not need us to move his kingdom. The fact that he uses and he chooses to use us it's a testament, testament to his character that he is love, that he is merciful, that he is gracious, that he is powerful. See, the secret to the kingdom of God in these parables is not me and it's not you. It's not me and it's not you. When we dig deeper into what the secret is, you and I are not the main characters. Let me repeat that again. You and I are not the main characters in the kingdom of God. We are not the main characters in the kingdom of God. Then who is? I think we all know the answer. But then who is? Who is the main character? The main character, the secret of the kingdom of God is Jesus. It's Jesus. So let's take a look at these parables again through the lens of God's kingdom perspective. God's kingdom perspective. The farmer, yes, that is us. Okay, that, that part is true. God's in, God is choosing us as a farmer to use for his kingdom. But the biggest key difference between my kingdom perspective in this parable versus God's kingdom perspective is that in my kingdom, I make his kingdom grow and make it plentiful and make it flourish. That's, that's what the, my kingdom says. But God's kingdom perspective is that he alone does the growing. And he alone makes it flourish. And he alone collects the harvest when it's plentiful. Do you guys see the difference here? See, we have the privilege of watching God orchestrate in this world. But sometimes we may look at this world and our current situation of the world and wonder to ourselves, like, God, are you here? Like, are your hands really in this current situation and, and our current status, sta, uh, stat, uh, status of our world? Like, sometimes we even wonder, like, where is God? Or, or is Christianity dead? No, the Christian, you know, Christianity is not dying, all right? And, and God is still working. I can say that confidently because everything in this world, everything in this world, is his creation, and he is not going to leave his creation. Look at verse 27. It says, night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not. He represents uh, the farmer, right? Does not, you know, he's asleep or awake, not understand how it happens. That's us. We're not gonna understand completely how this seed is gonna grow or how it's gonna how it's gonna flourish or how it's gonna harvest. But then in verse 28 and 29 says that the seed that was planted yielded harvest. See, it's okay not to understand the process, but trust him in the process of the growth. Just as Colossians 1 says, you know, everything that we see, everything that we feel, we touch, we smell, we sense, and everything that we don't see, smell, touch, sense, and feel were created through him and for him. That's what Colossians 1 says. See, God is moving, and he is still advancing his kingdom, no matter what we think. doesn't matter what we think. We just need to trust in the process of his movement. We don't need to have the answers to all of the unknowns. And there's peace that comes along with that. There's peace that comes along with that. See, we are to faithfully scatter the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And at the end of the age, when this world is gone and the new world has come, Jesus alone deserves all the glory forever and ever. Let's take a look at the parable of the mustard seed. The My Kingdom perspective, that little mustard seed is us. It says that it's us. But the God's kingdom perspective is completely different. Again, if the little mustard seed is not you or I, then who is? Everybody say it together. One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus is that mustard seed. Here's what the parable means in God's kingdom perspective. When Jesus was telling this parable, he was actually trying to convey this message to his disciples to his disciples. You see, Jews held on to this a long-awaited prophecy of a Savior and of a Messiah to come to save the Jews. And Jesus was it. That Jesus was going to build this new kingdom, that Jesus was going to save them, that Jesus was going to do all these things and free them from captivity, and Jesus was to fulfill that prophecy. But so far, as we see in Jesus' ministry, the Jews are a little bit confused. It's like, uh, aren't you supposed to be king? But here you are telling stories and, and just doing miracles, like when are you gonna become king? Right? Like that that's exactly where the state of the Jews are. In the middle of all of that, they're the, they're, they're the disciples. And I'm sure being in the middle of all that, trying to follow Jesus and hearing what the people are saying, they're probably just as confused and they were hearing a lot of rumors. A few verses later, Jesus actually tells the disciples what it means. Here's, what Je- here's why Jesus was focusing the parables for his disciples to hear. See, it didn't matter what rumor they heard about Jesus was doing and what he wasn't doing. See, it was an encouragement to his disciples because Jesus was conveying a message that his kingdom is going to start small. It's an upside-down kingdom. His kingdom is going to start small. It's going to have small beginnings, but his kingdom will eventually grow into something big and massive. Jesus is saying that it's going to start small and it's going to be insignificant at first, perhaps even buried. But buried seeds don't stay buried. It leads to life. See, Jesus himself is that little seed who will be buried, seemingly insignificant. The son of a carpenter in the region that was an empire that was bigger than any other empires in this world, but that buried seed won't stay buried. Instead, it will birth forth into life. In doing so, it'll give life to everybody. Salvation to those who choose to believe in his death and resurrection. I mean, look at the evidence of the kingdom of God, y'all. Look at the evidence since the beginning of history, Jesus started out with the 12. He started with the 12. And we see that number grow from 12 to 500 at the time of Jesus' ascension. And from there, we read in Acts that during Pentecost, 3,000 were added to that number who confessed Jesus as Lord. Throughout our book of Acts, we see that the number is steadily increasing. And as we read from Paul's letters, despite the failings of the church in sin and weakness, this life-giving message is preached to all nations. Then the whole Roman Empire embraces Christianity. If you know history, you know how big this is. This giant empire of Rome embraces this Jesus. From there, it exponentially grows. If it's this life giving message of the one who literally gave life it is even growing still today. Then, in one day, every nation, every tongue, every culture will worship the name of Jesus and Jesus alone before his throne. This, this is God's kingdom. This is God's kingdom. This is his perspective. See, the enemy will try to bring down his kingdom. And and the enemy already knows that he lost. So he's going to try to bring it down as many people as possible with him. But God's kingdom will always be victorious. And and it it has grown throughout history and will grow until Jesus comes back. And once he does, the enemy will be no more. So what now? So what now? How can we apply this message to our lives? How can we apply these parables to our lives now that we've heard it? Remember, you and I are not the main characters. On your seats, you know, I've given you a small baggie with a mustard seed in it. All right? Um, It's really small. (laughs) And you can barely see it. You kind of have to really put it up to the light to see it. Take it home with you. And here's a challenge that I I, uh, give you with that mustard seed. God's desire is for every man, woman, and children to be saved. That's God's desire. Every man, woman, child to be saved, for them to know his love, and for them to know what he has done for them, and to be part of his kingdom. That's God's desire. And we talk about the top five here a lot of the journey, and if you don't know what top five is, top five is the circle of friends that we have around us who don't know who Jesus is. Okay, that's, that's our top five, and that we need to reach out to. But today... I just want you to focus on one, just one out of those top five. Okay, everybody have that one in your mind? Yes? Yeah? All right, have that one in your mind. Remember, God does not need you to advance his kingdom. He chooses to use us to grow his kingdom. See, it's not by mistake that this person is in your life. It really isn't. God, in His infinite wisdom, He orchestrated that relationship that you have with that person. It's not by mistake. It's not by coincidence. It is God orchestrating that relationship. And this person is in need to hear the gospel of Jesus. Is in need to hear the gospel of Jesus. This person needs you to scatter that seed. And the scattering of the seed requires more than just a quick text. It requires more than that. It requires more than you just loving them. It requires you to make an intentional effort to sit down with them and tell them straight to their face, Jesus loves you and you need Jesus. See, I think as believers, I think we get so comfortable in in this culture of loving them is enough and that our actions We'll do the talking. But it requires more than that. And let's be honest with ourselves. Have your actions be really been talking lately? The reason why I think the believers don't like telling their friends in person is because the, the reaction that they'll get or a lack of reaction that they'll get. But look at our scripture today. It doesn't matter what their reaction is. It is Jesus who does the growing. It is Jesus who is in that process. You telling the gospel may fall on hard ground. It may. It may fall on shallow ground. It may fall among weeds and thorns. It may, it may fall on good soil. Praise God. But that should not determine whether we get to choose of holding back the gospel of Jesus Christ because all deserve to hear the gospel and the goodness of God about this eternal salvation we're called to scatter that seed and trust in this timing and process because the movement of his kingdom his kingdom cannot be stopped and will not be stopped and what a privilege it is to be part of that movement. We, we are I, I am so blessed that, that I know Jesus. And I think all of us here are blessed to know Jesus. I think it's time for us to share that blessing with those around us intentionally making that effort. So take this mustard seed in your hand. Put it in your Bible or somewhere or in your pockets, because it, it can get easily lost. Like, don't eat it. I mean, you, whatever you want to do with it, but just take it as a reminder that for you to talk to that one person and watch God move in his timeline. Not ours, but his timeline. It may be a week from now. It may be a year from now. It may be 10 years from now. But we have the privilege of watching that process and get to see God move and advance his kingdom in the individual lives as well as a whole big C church and the whole world. Let's pray together. Father, I just remember the time where I I learned the truth about what it means to believe in you. What it means to know that that such a sinner like me, that, that you loved and that you love would die for me. God, I thank you for that. And God, as we went through what it means to just look at everything through your kingdom perspective. God, there are people out there. There are friends out there, our top five or the top one in the circle of friends that we have who are in need to hear the same gospel, the same truth. And God, we know that you're not going to stop working. You're not gonna stop working. You're gonna continue to advance your kingdom. You're gonna continue to move forward with your will and with your plans. So we wanna be in that process to watch you orchestrate in the lives of our friends as you choose to use us for your kingdom. God, we can't wait for that one day where every nation, every tongue will come and bow before you and to worship you before your throne. And suffering will be no more, death will be no more, pain will be no more. But just one unified body, praising your name and giving you glory. Until that day, God, let us continue to hunger for you, let us continue to be desperate for you to desire after you to want you more to want you more than the physical food to want you more than life itself so God I thank you for your word convict us in every way so that we may become better disciples of you. We give you all the glory and honor. In this, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.